Well, good morning. good morning. My name is Ron Dozier, and it's my privilege to serve as the pastor, uh, campus pastor here amongst such a, a strong and a great team of leaders and uh, followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In just a little bit, we're going to be opening up our Bible, turning to uh, the gospel according to John. But before I do, um, before we do, a couple of things that we want you to know as it relates to this letter uh, that's found in a collection of letters that we call a library, that this library is unlike any other library in the world because it's inspired, it's eternal, and it's true. So as a community, we lift it up. And that's our way of saying that we don't worship the Bible, but we worship uh, the one who inspired the Bible. And this is our way of saying that we stand under the authority of God's Word. It may seem a little strange or odd, but it is a moment of oddity uh, that characterizes us as a community of faith followers here. Amen? And before I do anything else, let us have a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I do pray now that you allow me to preach with strength, demonstration of your spirit and power, because our faith doesn't simply rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power that only comes from you, O oh God. So in everything we do, our goal is just to glorify you. So speak to our hearts today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all who agree say together, amen. Amen. Well, one Father's Day, my wife and I had purchased these gift cards, and we mailed them to my father-in-law in Philadelphia. I think we have a picture of me standing out in front of my in-law's house up there in Philadelphia. We waited patiently for their arrival, but after a couple of weeks, we got pretty concerned because they hadn't arrived at his address yet. You know, whenever my father-in-law, uh, he lets me know, he says, somebody is thinking of me. We're like, ah, that makes me feel joy in my heart. And I say, yes, that's us. We were thinking of you. And that's what that packet says. But what in the world was happening with the mail? Told my father-in-law, you know what? You might need to mention the song by the Marvelettes to your mailman. Y'all remember the song, Please Mr. Postman? Yeah, please Mr. Postman, look and see. Is there a letter in your bag for me? He used to go, you better wait a minute, wait a minute. Mr. Postman, wait, wait, yes. <laughs> because don't you just hate it when something important that you send doesn't get delivered? I wonder, is that how God feels? when we fail to deliver the good news that we ourselves have received. You know, sometimes I think that we think in terms of sharing the good news as a problem. Whenever I see Amazon or UPS trucks kind of riding through my neighborhood, I get this sense of excitement. Sometimes when I'm standing outside and in my driveway, I see a truck pull down my street, and I, I start to get excited like, well, maybe this is going to pull around and it's going to drop something off at my address. I feel this sense of excitement that something is getting ready to be delivered to me. That's exactly how I feel about this series 
That's good news. Because as we say every single week, we realize that not just what I'm doing, but God is mobilizing us to live into our mission of inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And we find that good news contained in the Gospel of John in chapter 3. If you go down to verse 16, as you find your way there, very familiar verse. As a matter of fact, you may see John 3.16 at stadiums. You may see it, people with tattoos that say John 3.16. I mean, we see it all over the place. It's a verse that sometimes you don't even have to look down because you've memorized it. It's the first verse that I actually memorized when I came to the Lord. Let's see if we can all say it together. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As familiar as that is, a lot of people aren't familiar with the fact that that declaration about God's love flows out of a conversation that Jesus had with a very respected rabbi named Nicodemus. So let's back up a little bit and jump right into that conversation in John chapter 3. I'll read the first four, four verses. God bless you over there. It says this way. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born you see, contrary to our modern view of Pharisees, of them being judgmental and harsh, John's first readers would think in terms of Nicodemus as a well-educated, highly respected, someone well-versed in the Old Testament and part of the Jewish ruling council. This morally upright religious man, he comes to Jesus by night because as a, as a Pharisee, he had a reputation that he was trying to hold on to. While simultaneously there was something, yet there was something about what Jesus was doing around him, the miracles that we, he was performing, that piqued his curiosity within him. He comes to Jesus, and although he's complimentary, complimentary to him, calling him rabbi, he didn't recognize his need. It's like he was saying, Jesus, let's have a conversation from one rabbi to another. Maybe you can share some things with me, and I'll, I'll share some things with you. He was trying to reconcile what him and other Pharisees kind of figured of some very strange and bizarre behavior that came from Jesus. You see, in, back in chapter 2, Jesus went into the temple. He took a, a string of cords, and he turned over the money changers, and he whipped in and scattered them out of there. And 
The Pharisees came up to him and says, hey, Jesus, who gives you the authority to do that? And Jesus says, well, tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll build it up again. But John puts a little footnote in there. He was talking about the temple of his body. And then later, after John says, after he was resurrected, the disciples remembered that incident, and it just strengthened their faith. You see, Nicodemus had a serious flaw in his theology. He thought that Jesus was just a teacher sent from God like him, instead of God who has come to teach. You see, Jesus just stumps Nicodemus with his statement, you must be born again. This metaphor of a, a second birth confounded Nicodemus, who's only thinking of natural, physical things. And you know, the reality of Jesus' words still holds true today for everyone. We cannot get to God simply by our good works. Nicodemus concluded, listen, my efforts can't produce, Jesus, what you're asking. How can I go inside my mother again and be born all over? It just, it just doesn't make sense. It's the, it's the how can I. It's the recognition of what we have in our flesh just isn't enough. The request will always fall short. That's the human dilemma that seeks to live solely based upon what we can do in our human strength. So many people right now are searching for answers, yet only connect the solution simply attached to their own human effort. That's a serious problem. And we get the privilege of sharing with them what God has done, offering them what represents not their work, but His. It's not simply about rolling up your sleeves and trying harder. I tell you what, it's like me in the kitchen. Even though I watch Master Chef, it doesn't mean that I can whip up some recipes. And if I'm standing there and the best cook I know, which is my wife, and she's offering to help me, I don't need to deny the help that she is trying to offer. And check this out. When it comes to living the recipe of the life that God intends, Jesus is saying, I'm offering you something new. In John 10, 10, he's, 10, 10, he says, you know the thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Don't miss this. Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to make us brand new. Is there a witness in the building? We can't, but he did. And his doing is a demonstration of the love that flows down from the Father into the lives of those that he wants to make his children. It involves trusting in the work of God who provides new life from a new source, sourced in the Spirit the Holy Spirit of God, so that we can experience a kingdom that is coming right now. Did you know that God's kingdom is something that we're going towards, but 
something that Jesus brought down so that we could experience the reality of what he's doing as his kingdom citizens. Then one of the disciples asked him, teach us to pray. He said, well, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And you see, Nicodemus was getting ready in our passage to hear what God's love does. And it's paramount that it melts away any problem that I could come up with as to why I don't share the best news ever. Listen to what Jesus says in verses 13 through 15. Let me read. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus handpicked the story from the fourth book in our library, the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, to illustrate how God provided a solution to the consequences of sin. You see, this particular uh, verse, Nicodemus probably taught many, many times. It's about how the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, and they became, began to get impatient and started to complain. Does that remind you of anybody, or is that just me? They said, you done brought us out here in the wilderness, God. Did you bring us out here to die? There's no food. There's no water. And even the, uh, the food that you're providing is simply awful. What the heck are you doing? And then God sent venomous snakes to bite them. And they did, and the people started dying. And they realized that the wickedness and evil and the sin that they did. And they went to Moses and said, will you pray to God that he'll do something about this? And then God told Moses, I want you to prepare an image of a snake. And Moses did. He made a bronze snake. And he said, put it on a pole and then lift that pole up. And then everybody who looks at that snake lifted up on the pole, they're going to live. And then Jesus said, just like that pole was lifted up in the wilderness, you know that story, Nicodemus, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that you can just look and live. He was referencing what he was going to do on the cross. Everyone who is born has been infected. We know that personally by the sickness of sin. And our goodness is not enough. We know that looking to Jesus is the only cure for our sins. And we get to point people 
to Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. He didn't say look to Moses. He said look to what God provided as a cure for the sickness of sin. Which brings us to John 3, 16 and 17. Let me read that for you. You know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Did you get that? God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. A simple message, but profound in its impact. Do you know every one of us has one thing in common? We are the objects of God's unconditional love. And his love involved sacrifice. That was his work, sending his son to bleed and die because as a witness of how much he loves us so much. And we get a chance to point people to something that happened in history. There's evidence. You heard about it last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. We can point to something that actually happened in history. It represents the cross, but not only that, Jesus rising from the grave affects our present reality. He loved us to new life. Is anybody glad about it? I know I am. Thank you, Lord. And do you know, because he's, he's done that, his love chases away all fear. So I don't have to be afraid about sharing the best news ever because of his love that he is providing for us as we do. There's no problem with sharing what God has done in general. Because as a believer who's received that good news, it's become so personal. We've experienced the love of God that we're directing people to. And here's what I want you to know. Delivering the best news doesn't have to be a problem. It's a privilege. Do you realize that? It doesn't have to be a problem. It's a privilege. It's about reshaping our perspective on our role. God is simply asking us to deliver the message of his love. I was talking to a guy one day, and I was looking at his bike. I was like, that's an interesting bike. And he said to me, he said, I'm getting ready to ride 20 miles. And kind of at first glance, I'm looking at him. I see the bike, but I'm looking at him. And I'm like, I'm not sure based upon what I'm seeing. In my mind, I'm thinking maybe two miles. But he said 20. He said 20 miles. I'm thinking maybe, maybe two. Then I said, sir, I, I think I can ride about 10 miles. I said, you sure that you can ride 20? I think he was picking up on what I was laying down. And he said, you don't understand, sir. I have an electronic bike. And do you know that 
I can actually switch a power mode to electric. So my ability to travel isn't only dependent on the energy I have to pedal. It's coming from a new power source. He said, do you get it? I said, oh yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know, sir, I used to be a worrier. I used to worry as a, as a way of life. And then all of a sudden, God brought to me this new power source. It's called the Holy Spirit. And, and even though I still, problems come up and worry tries to creep in, he gives me such a peace that stabilizes me right in the middle of the storm. Yes, sir, I understand what you're talking about, about that new power source. Did you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life? Sir, in this life, you may get tired pedaling and pedaling, and God has brought about his son Jesus to give you an opportunity to live out this new life, and it's a demonstration of his love for you. His love is incredible, church. It connects us to something well beyond what we're willing and able to do. Think about it this way. Let's repeat John 3.16 again. This time, put your name in place of the word world. You ready? You, you know your name? I know mine. Amen. <laughs> God so loved Ron that he gave his only begotten son. Check this out. It's a privilege to share because God invites us, don't miss this, to partner with him. He's not asking you to do something solo on your own. He's asking you to do it in partnership with him. I'm reminded of Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. He's traveling through the villages, preaching about the kingdom, uh, healing people of their sicknesses, and he looks out at the crowd, and he said he has compassion on them. He said they look helpless, the Bible says, and harassed. They look like sheep without a shepherd. Then he turns to the disciples, and he said, hey, fellas, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest field. Do you know that prayer is an essential and huge part about what we're doing as it relates to sharing the best news ever? God is asking us to wake up and put somebody in my path today that I can share your incredible news with. He's not asking you to do something by yourself. It's in partnership. And God will recognize, we'll recognize that what he's doing in us to prompt us you know, it's incredible. I'm looking out at an army of delivery people for the Lord. And you, let's do this. 
Turn to your right and your left and look, look, look at each other. You are part of God's army of delivery people that has the best news ever, that carry the message of God's love. And you can tell somebody, which I love to tell them, you got mail. <laughs> and that mail originates from heaven. Let me tell you how much God loves you. We, we're invited to tell people about the love of God. He brings us into a family. And we understand our relationship as God's children. We can relate as a loving father. Our daddy is sending us out to reach more children. My granddad used to give me money. And I had friends around. He'd tell me, hey, give, give your friend this money. Now, the temptation was, if they weren't listening or looking, that I keep that money for myself. <laughs> but how can we keep to ourselves such a meaningful message that people that people need to hear. We're invited to tell others about the love that we receive, a love that God provides. Has he provided anybody here with a, a second chance? Is there, how about a third chance? How about a fourth chance? How about a fifth chance? Somebody will be excited, so excited about that, they go, I gotta get up and testify because of what God's love has done for me in the form of forgiveness. It provides the support that we need. Somebody can say, even though I've been dealing with loss, the love of God has gripped me and he's walking with me and he's healing me and he's lifting me up. The love of God will be a companion to you if you're experiencing cancer or any other disease. His love enables us to love others who don't need more condemnation. They, want, they, they need salvation. They don't need to know what they're doing wrong. They need to know what God did right with Jesus. And we get a chance to direct people in that way. His love opened my eyes to what's possible. He changed my perspective regarding sharing the best news. It's not a problem. It's a privilege to say what God has done through Christ that has impacted me in my life. Now, this week, we're going to flood the social media space again. So get ready to whip out your phone. You're going to get a chance to declare why it's a privilege to share the gospel. Do you think it's a privilege to share the gospel? I do. I got to tell people. We got to tell people. Your army of delivery people. You're going to write this down. Sharing the gospel is a privilege because, and then you, you finish it. Tag it, hashtag, that's good news. Sharing the gospel is a privilege because that's good news. I don't see many phones, but just put it on your social media space. Flood it as a prelude. To what God is going to do. And you know what? You don't have to try to go out of your way. Just don't get in the way. God is going to put people right in your path to share that good news with you. So take a couple of moments. Take some time. Sharing the gospel is a privilege because As the band comes back, 
Think about how you're going to make yourself available to sharing that good news that you've received. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have mobilized us as an army of delivery drivers, delivering the best news that we can. And we deliver it, Lord, even as we just go about living our lives. Wake us up to the opportunities that we have to tell somebody about what you have done on the cross to take away our sins. May your love be so evident, so real, and may we direct people to a love that's available. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let all who agree say together, amen.